You are listening to Infinite Beat on Radio Valencia. This is your host, Topazu. And today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Russell Butler here in the studio. What's up, y'all? Um, Russell's got a lot of projects going on. He just released an album on Opal Tapes called God is Change. Uh, he has a collaborative project with Worker Parasite called Diem. A night in Oakland uh, that he just started, and he has a lineup of live shows that we will be talking about in a minute. But thank you for coming to the studio. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I hope you can you hear me. Actually, yeah, yeah okay, I can cool. Hear you. Uh, so, you know, on the show we've sort of touched briefly on how dance music sort of affects the body as a sort of a visceral experience. It affects the blood. It taps into the heart. It uh, affects us on a, an emotional level, intellectual level, and it can really make us transcend. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of looking at kind of what's happening in the news right now. Um, those unarmed kids that were attacked in Texas by that police officer. I think that was the most recent news. Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, I mean, people's objectification of, uh, of Caitlyn Jenner's body, and pretty much all trans public figures, I feel like, uh, as well. And so there's all these, these moments where I feel like they're great examples of how our bodies are commodified and oppressed um, pretty much on a daily basis in, in so many forms. So for you, how do you think that changes how we experience music with our bodies, you know, when they're constantly being oppressed, when they're constantly being abused and colonized? Um, I think in, in, certain, in certain ways, uh, dance is a form of uh, taking ownership of your body and the space that it uh the space that it takes up essentially uh we live in a post-colonial world i mean just to my perspective is also somewhat skewed because i'm from a small island in um in the atlantic ocean called bermuda um and which is still a british dependent colony and so i'm very aware of a lot of the narratives that have kind of come along with um with you know the slave trade and then also the uh uh, the British Empire is this greater kind of colonial power and seeing mm-hmm. how American imperialism has also um, played a very similar role but it's more insidious because it's so uh, it's so cultural like um, the the ways in which it um, in in which colonization of our spaces and our bodies uh, I feel kind of comes up or like within uh, uh, within goods, within commodities, the things that we buy in order to define who we are as people. And by experiencing something like dance, something that's so physical, something that's so internal, we're able to almost reclaim reclaim that space and reclaim um, the kind of psychic damage that comes along with all of these things that occur. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, Derek Carter sort of publicly, I think he, it came out last year, but uh, Derek Carter publicly talked about sort of the cultural smudging of house music. And of course, this, this happened around 
the time, Azealia Banks, you know, sort of was very, very outspoken about cultural sm- smudging of, mm-hmm. of, of course, hip hop music. Like, do you do you think that that's true? Do you think that dance music is being commodified in the same way that our bodies are? Because this is our, you know, this is the form of expression that, like I, you said, I, I don't think us. it. It's a matter of is. I think it. It's a matter of has been and has almost always been. As long as it's, it, it's almost like as soon as I mean, the, a similar thing happened with punk or other countercultural movements in the 60s as, as soon as there's a name attached to it there the nature of capitalism is to exploit an aspect of that that you can turn into a good or a service so dance music has been commodified for for our at least our entire lifetimes you know like we, we like i wasn't alive when the music box was around for example you know? right exactly um and and i think that what 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 I'd like to kind of address is how is people's very visceral reactions to it, especially people who are who are white, who aren't people of color. Like mm-hmm. people of color, when Azealia Banks was saying that stuff about it, Iggy Azalea or any other um, any other black artist kind of takes on mm-hmm. um, this form of appropriation or colonization or what have you. Folks aren't surprised. Oh no, know? not at all. They're not at all. It's just like <laughs> what? What are you? What are you talking about? Like right. we've we've been, you know, we've been un- under this kind of rule for literally hundreds of years. So what? Like why? Why is it all of a sudden so awful when someone strikes out against the system that not only um, doesn't seek to benefit that individual who has spoken out, but also individuals. Um, that like we're all subject to patriarchy and capitalism, you know. So, so, but, but there's such an inclination to, to react against the people who, uh, who push against the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think cultural smudging is it's it's very apparent. It's it's strange to me that people that don't see it and how insidious it can be. Yeah, especially with what's going on in dance music right now with Ten Walls. Yeah, that is, I mean, I always... I felt like that was more telling of um, of that cultural smudging than it was of his, his you know, his bigotry. I felt mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. know... And I think it's, it's more so symptomatic of a greater problem, and it's easy to... to essentially scapegoat certain people uh like the um like we live in this culture of outrage now where as soon as something is super controversial like this happens like the rachel doleval thing right now is like Mm -hmm. the really big thing right now Mm -hmm. as soon as something like that happens it, it travels at such a quick speed that people um people's first reactions are to be really visceral about it and and be very emotional about them instead of kind of pulling back and viewing and viewing the greater powers that are at work um so i think the the news cycle aspect of it is very necessary but then i don't think especially online there's been an alternative to actually actual like measured conversation and um because people can can get as pissed as they want like he got he like 10 walls lost um his booking agent all of the shows that he had lined up all of that stuff like his his career is totally ruined but 
did that destroy racism? (laughs) You know, did that destroy capitalism in any way? No. Exactly. It's just like, oh, there's another bigot who just, you know, he just just lost out because they didn't keep their mouth shut. You know, there are tons of people out there who think the same things, but they won't say them. Right, right. And um, so Mad Mike's... Mad Mike Banks, actually, from Underground Resistance, said that techno is sort of a way of sidestepping censorship. And, like, how do you think that dance music kind of works sort of against these sort of oppressive forces or these these forces that are, you know, trying to commodify not just our, our bodies but also our music and, and the way that we express things? Uh... I feel as though it has everything to do with intent. Um, Underground Resistance, I feel, is very... Has, from its outset, been very politically involved and Mm -hmm. is about um, black upliftment, especially um, with younger and younger populations. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Sorry, can you remind me of the root of the question? I kind of <laughs> went on a little bit of a tangent there. How does dance music sort of work against these Work, again, work, these work powers, against these, these, these forces. Power, yeah, these forces of oppression. Um, by creating safe spaces in which people can freely express themselves yeah. and also um, feel in community with others that are there for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to eradicate um, e- even if it's for like a four hour dance party or something to be able to eradicate all of the baggage that comes with identity that we kind of pick up through our throughout our daily lives it's an opportunity for us to be liberated through through the exploration of different sounds and social experiences mm-hmm. essentially um, and I think that 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 quote that you um, said from from Mad Mike is uh, very telling of the the power of um, exploring sound and also of exploring experiences through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, a great example is um, is a group like Drexia. Like their whole oh, yeah. deal is creating this incredible under uh, underwater world, you know, and they have signs and signifiers and all of the things that would come along with like a essentially an organized society but they also have this very succinct social commentary mm-hmm. um I, i've been reading a lot more science fiction than i have political theory as of late <laughs> um because i think that it's a very um it's an incredible genre that's able to synthesize a great many of these ideas by essentially creating case studies for characters yeah. just like what will happen in the far future to like i i really really into octavia butler and the my last release god has changed is kind of take pulls from one of her books and um i there is in, in that whole narrative she talks about class and race and gender and sexuality but in this post-apocalyptic landscape it's still america but it's essentially after america has completely crumbled to the ground Mm -hmm. but you don't have this idyllic utopian place where every since everybody has nothing everybody's the same no like these still these um these very insidious 
uh, racist and patriarchal behaviors that people have are just acted out, but to the to the extreme mm-hmm. um, in these contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting that that you mention science fiction and and sort of it's 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 about science fiction is usually usually about the future. It's usually about that, and it seems like um, actually Mad Mike. Think. He's got so many good quotes. Yeah, yeah. He's got, I, I love I mean, to listen to him talk. All those you are yeah. guys are really smart, well read folks. Of course. And um, he actually said that, you know, especially when he was asked about, you know, there's all these things happening in your community, basically in the black community. Um, what what does techno music have to say about that? And he, he said something like, um, uh, I think related to that, but he was talking about how hip-hop is is about now hip-hop is about the community like right now whereas techno music is about the future so it's like it's interesting that you guys are are, the perspective isn't necessarily about sort of all these elements kind of coming in and and destroying your community and destroying your body and destroying you as a person as an individual or part of this community but uh techno music is definitely about and house music for sure. Mm-hmm. I think all electronic music on many levels is about uh, the future. It's about transcending. So that's it's mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's because it's very difficult to assess what you're experiencing in the moment and also translate that to someone else. So essentially, mm-hmm. all you have to draw from is the past and the probable. Yeah, and um, and you can draw from your memories in order to create. A system or a context that can um, that can further advance who you are, or the people in your community, or just your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, speaking of house and techno electronic music, um, you have a new album out on Opal Tapes. But I mean, besides Octavia, like, what, what is there other elements that sort of influenced that particular album? Because this is your first length correct uh it's my first in it's a it's my first on a label in dance music i used to have a project called black jeans um for for five years and that was more of a post-punk ebm um kind of a project and i had um two official releases with that one on tundra dubs and one on am discs Mm -hmm. those were both pretty much full albums like eight songs each um, and then I, I self-released a cassette uh, last September, mm-hmm. um, Constructions. That's about that's nine right. or ten tracks. Yeah. And then, um, so God Has Changed is probably my, my um, yeah, my first on, like, a real deal label. Like, Opal is, has been really great to work with, and they have a really good following, and I've been able to get a lot of love from, from people who are um, kind of into the stuff that they're, they've been putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, in terms of other, other influences, uh, I live in Oakland when I first moved to the Bay area, I I moved to Oakland and I, it's become a great part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I used to live in North Oakland and would walk to and from work every day. And so I got to know downtown Oakland very, very well. And, um, around the times that I was, uh, that I was recording this, I would just go on these long walks and listen to the mixes and um, and think about different ideas and take pictures and um, and just really kind of 
sit and, and take in the space because and just try to imagine because I'm one of the things about Parable of the Sower, the the um the book that Octavia Butler wrote that inspired the release is um it's set in California and um and it goes through the Bay Area but intentionally avoids it because it um uh because essentially they're just like, you know, shit got really crazy <laughs> there's like way too many people in cities um right. uh, so i just try to imagine like oakland as especially because so many people talk about um you know right now talk about its renewal creatively and, and economically and everything and so it's it's a place that that uh that is going through this rebirth much in the same way that the entire country and the book is going through this rebirth so i try mm-hmm. to kind of um, engender that and then also the the music scene that I'm a part of like it's so incredibly inspiring and and very very motivating like I feel like like, like uh, in 2013 and 2014 there wasn't a month that went by that somebody that um, who some someone from um, the Bay Area or LA or New York just put out an incredible album absolutely it was so um, so it, it really kind of pushed me to um to go the extra mile and try some different things and and really kind of put my own stamp and own sound on onto this record yeah yeah it's it's a beautiful record i mean i'm saying that objectively you know i'm pretending like i don't know you (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not completely biased but it's it's probably one of my favorite albums of this year oh thank you yeah thank you i i i mean i feel like uh it sounds like a, a Bay Area record. Brad, sure I, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very into that because so many yeah. people it, are focused on certain specific locales for not just dance music, but just electronic music in general. It's always yeah. New York or L.A. or when you're talking about techno, it's like, oh, that's a Detroit thing or that's a Chicago thing. Right. And it's like nobody who works outside of those places is making that music. They're making music about the place that they're at, you know, and yeah. and Oakland just has provided me with so much life experience that I can't help but sound like it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... um you also have a couple of live shows starting tonight. Tough, starting actually. tonight. Starting tonight. <laughs> um, so tonight is uh, you are playing with uh, Worker Parasite as DM. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about DM. Uh, DM, we we just realized that uh, we've been playing together for three years. Oh wow! Um, it started as a recording project. Uh, so Ben. Uh, we became friends because he put out the first Black Jeans tape, mm-hmm. and um, we would we started to get into hardware, um, acid house, and techno at about the same time, and would always like kind of trade notes and throw tracks back together, and and then we eventually got enough gear to be able to jam with each other, um, and that's essentially how it started. And um, in my apartment when I just lived in San Francisco at 18th and Cap Street, yeah, uh, and we played our first live shows last year we did three and um this is our first of the year oh, awesome and uh that you are playing at bay area 51 as dm and uh that's with cbr from brooklyn mm-hmm. and uh his brother roche yep. actually yeah his actual natural born brother mm-hmm. and uh earth and sea which was uh he jacob released probably one of my favorite records of last year so yeah really great uh, that stuff. will be tonight at bay area 51 my favorite house probably in the bay area yeah 
That's great. And then you're also playing uh, July 19th at Surface Tension. You're opening for... Uh, I had to look up how to pronounce this, actually. Everybody I, has. It's, like, so frustrating. It's it like, is. are you a witch house band or something? <laughs> Come on, guys. And it's a... No shade. I, I believe it's pronounced... That literally is... They, they said that the, the X's are silent. Mm-hmm. So it's actually... <laughs> and uh, and that is happening on July 19th at Surface Tension at F8. And you're also starting... You started actually a night uh, called uh, After Dark. Yes. Yeah, tell us about that. that that's happening in Oakland. Yes. yes. Uh, that's a collaboration between me and Jason Stinnett, who uh, was the producer for Hot Tub and runs the Heat Records. And mm-hmm. he's also got a great project called High Scores. Um, with Janessa Lambert from Mortar and Pestle. And uh, so it's a house and techno night. We um, have two live hardware acts. And uh, then me and him are the resident DJs, and sometimes we have guests. The first one, we had um, ICPCP, who's a video artist and kind of noise techno guy in in, um, Oakland. He also has a party called Transmutations that's first Sundays at uh, the Rocksteady in Mm -hmm. Oakland. And our party is at the Legionnaire for Thursdays. Um, The next one is with OG Crush from San Francisco and Bonus Beast from Oakland. It's June 25th. June 25th. And we're also throwing a very special rave at Babe Lab in Oakland. Uh, That is the next night, June 26th. Um, That's with Pow Wow, High Scores. um, uh, I believe Saturn Rising is doing some dance stuff. And then uh, Jaquees Whitfield as well, who's an incredible Vogue artist. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Obsidian Blade, who is Joey Cassio. He's making a. He moved up to Portland and is coming back down to play an extra special late night set. And then um, Jason and I are DJing. Awesome. You are a very busy man. This yes, month. yes, <laughs> yes. And then uh, I'm going to have you take over the show for the next hour and a half. Great. Uh, so, what do you, what, is there anything special that you have lined up in your set? Uh, yeah, these are all um, tracks, some some newer that I haven't really played out yet, and some that I just am obsessed with, and I'm just beating these records to hell. Um, I'm starting with Journey in Sachidananda by Alice Coltrane. I usually like to start a set with a track that kind of not only sets the mood, but also it's it's like the good kind of smudging, like as in getting out bad <laughs> vibes with Sage and Palo Santo kind of smudging. <laughs> Um, so this is like my my um, my track smudge to just like clear vibes, and then um, I'm gonna go into some Moody Man and some other tracks. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna have Russell play that right after this track.
que le gusta así Se hace lo que si va a ser ritmo Y ese va así Se ve, se ve Y ese va yaku, 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 yaku Brak, 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 brak Cada vez sigue yaku, 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 yaku Brak, brak, brak Pero esta vez dale jalo Que le gusta así No mire tanto solo ritmo Y eso va así pero escucha que aquí llevo El que me gusta a mí Me gusta un solo, solo ritmo Y ese va así No va ni ragataga Ni dugudun dun dun Tampoco sacataga Ni dugudun dun dun Y ese va
Right now you're listening to Infinite Beat on Radio Valencia, and uh, that was a set by producer Russell Butler. That was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, definitely played some of my favorites awesome. of this year and and uh, and beyond. So awesome. <laughs> thank you. And what are we going to listen to right after? this track so right after this track um i'm going to play one of my own this is a very 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 neat track as in i just recorded it onto tape on thursday played it out friday night and it went off pretty well it's not mastered or mixed or anything but i'm going to be playing uh, a version of this track uh, uh in my set at surface tension this coming friday that is amazing yeah, so it's super hot super it hot off the presses <laughs> It is a, a kind of a world premiere. Yes. Yes. World premiere. Yes. Brand new and track. No name yet either. Just, no name. Just a vibe. Okay. Just a vibe. Well, this will be the world premiere. Uh, not exactly because you've already played it on Friday, but yeah. we'll just, we're going to call it world premiere because this is for the world. This is uh, yeah. being broadcast live. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time that we're playing a cassette tape, actually, cool. a cassette tape recording. So that is also a first. Yeah. Excuse, <laughs> excuse the noise from, you know, the antiquated medium and all that. It, it adds to the charm. Yeah. I think, of the whole thing. <laughs> Well, thank you, Russell, for coming to the studio. Thanks for and, having me. Uh, this was great. Yeah, absolutely. This was, I had a blast. So, right. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, it actually died. <laughs> um, the problems with technology, actually. So I'm going to have Russell oh, actually. Here we go. Is it working? It's working again. Okay. We're, this is going to be take two. <laughs> Got it. All right. Pull it up.